All right. Hello, Meekhawks. It's Michael Heiss coming at you for a rare solo episode with my guest coming up here of the Decentralized Revolution podcast, episode 129. Uh, sorry about the cancellation of our last guest. Had some technical problems ahead of that episode. We'll be looking to bring Jason Bassler back on uh, from the Free Thought Project here, ASAP, hopefully next week. Um, so before I bring my guest on, got a couple of uh, big announcements uh, you may have gotten in your email from the caucus earlier, and uh, that is that I have actually resigned from the chair position of Mises PAC, um, and I'm doing this so that I can jump over to the Michael Rechtenwald campaign and manage that campaign. So I am putting my money where my mouth is. I'm going all in and uh, managing that campaign. I truly believe that he is the best candidate in the race. I think he is the one with the uh, the best message, the best uh, depth of knowledge, the one who is most able to articulate the uh, principles of liberty in the current time that we're in, which is a time of great tumult. And I think we need somebody who can get in front of as many people as possible, somebody who has the support of Dave Smith to get on the big platforms and uh, you know speak to all the issues of, of the day in a, in a uh, deep manner. And uh, so he is clearly, in my opinion, the, the best candidate in the race. And uh, so I intend to give him everything I've got to make that a reality. Uh, so yeah, put my money where my mouth is resigned and Jeff Douglas is coming with me. Uh, he also has resigned from the board of, uh, Mises pack and is jumping over to be the national coordinator for the Rechtenwald campaign. So, you know, we will be reaching out. We'll be, uh, doing all the things that we've pretty much done for years now, uh, through the caucus and, uh, trying to get you, our people out to DC. We are finalizing and working on our, uh, LNC slate to preserve the takeover. We are working on our bylaws changes, which, as I've mentioned in the past, uh, should be pretty substantial. Uh, we're coming for that that regional system. No more democracy on top of democracy and looking to make some big changes there. So lots of stuff to do in D.C. in May. So, you know, mark it on your calendar. It's the last weekend of May National Convention. Uh, we're going to the belly of the beast in D.C. and, uh, you know, reclaiming the reset. So. You know, I got on my computer ahead of this stream and how important this cycle is is really dawned on me when I opened up antiwar.com. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Israeli president, no innocent civilians in Gaza. Uh, Israeli military says it's in formation to strike Gaza City. I mean, it's just a horror show. Israeli veteran 95 rallies troops to erase Palestinian children. Uh, State Department memo, no Gaza de-escalation talk. It's just it's just a horror show of what's what's going on uh, over with that conflict. And it, you know, it just reminds me of how important of a position that the libertarians are going to play uh, in this race. I mean, it's basically us and Cornell West who are going to have any consistent anti-war stance in this race. I mean, you have seen the gains that the right has made in, in the anti-war space uh, with uh, respect to Ukraine, basically evaporate overnight with uh, with this conflict in, in Israel. And uh, so we need to be there to hold them accountable. I mean, even RFK, who I've liked on a number of positions as a Democrat, you know, came out with just an atrocious stance uh, calling for us to fund this war in a long term stance against Palestine or Palestine. And I mean, it, it's just crazy. So, I mean, the whole right, even uh, RFK is kind of the breakout independent candidate. Uh, doesn't doesn't have it right on this issue. So it's literally just us and Cornell West. So we have a very, very important role to play in this mission, uh, in this race. And, uh, you know, we have to do our best to do that. So please get 
DC, the, the DC convention, end of May 2024 on your calendars, and let's put the guy in there who can best do the job. So with that, I'm going to uh, bring up my guest. I'll do a hard pivot here. I'll bring up my guest. We are talking to Nathan Polsky uh, tonight. Nathan is running for chair of the Libertarian Party of Texas. Uh, you've been running for, what, about a month now? Two months? Something like that? About a month and a half, two months, yeah. Month and a half. Okay, cool, man. Um, so why don't you like fill the audience in on like who you are, where you like what your background is, what your origin story is. I have here um, a graphic from I forget what year it is. I've, I'm sorry about that, but I where we actually endorsed you for your run for city council, um, and most recently you bailed me out pretty good uh, with the Take Human Action tour. We had our trainers. Uh, for that tour back out like a week before the event or something like that. And you came through and had a training ready to go. Uh, so mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your run. So tell us about that and some of your background. Uh, sure. So my background's in IT, project management, uh, software delivery, uh, managing small teams, large teams, uh, very task oriented. Uh, I got into the Libertarian Party oh, 2019. I'll take it back. Uh, I first voted Libertarian in 2016. I didn't really pay attention to politics before then. Um, in 2016, I saw uh, Trump and uh, Hillary were on the ballot. Uh, I said, this is absurd. Uh, there has to be another option. What's going on here? I, I saw Gary Johnson's name. I said, okay, who's, who's this Gary Johnson guy? Uh, he's Libertarian. Okay, what is Libertarian? Yeah, that sounds like me. Uh, that, that's kind of where I was for most of my life. So I looked more into it, uh, started uh, donating to national, got onto their mailing list. Um, and then in 2019, uh, December, 2019, I decided to throw my hat into local politics. So, uh, I started attending the local city council meetings, uh, seeing what was going on with our taxes. Uh, a lot of excess spending was going on. I said, okay, this isn't right. Um, th threw my name in, started attending the county uh, Libertarian Party meetings, introduced myself, uh, and then that's when I heard about the Mises Caucus. So I, I was already involved. I was already looking into, you know, bottom-up um, uh, style of politics where we the most the place we have the most effect is going to be at that local level. So Mises Caucus, you know, worked really well with me on that. Um, I ran against a hard Republican, hard Democrat that first year. Uh, they both had the endorsements of their parties. Uh, so if you weren't one of them, you weren't getting any, any sight. Uh, the second year I ran, uh, I ran against an incumbent 40 year Republican Republican party refused to give him their endorsement and recommendation because I was more conservative and more fiscally responsible than he was. Uh, so they, they tried giving, <laughs> they tried giving me the recommendation and they actually did, uh, at one of their GOP meetings. Um, but they then found out after the fact that I was an officer in the County party and they gave me two options. They said either a, um, they can take back their nomination, uh, because they they do not grant, uh, recommendations to officers within another party or B. I could step down as a, a county officer. And I said, hard bargain there. And I'm like, <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, I'm a libertarian, uh, the party of principles. 
I have principles. So no, um, thank you for your recommendation, but I'm not going to rescind my officer status just so I can receive a recommendation from the, uh, from the GOP. Um, so that year I got 26% of the vote. The Democrats were also recommending the incumbent. So you had a lot of people that were in the GOP that saw that and said, well, why are the Democrats recommending the Republican? Uh, why, why are they putting his name on their slate? Uh, you had then half the Republican Party was kind of split between do we want to do we only ever vote for a Republican or can we actually vote for this guy who's not a Republican? Um, uh, so that's how that year went. And then the third year, I think that, that was the one that I had the uh, endorsement photo for um, ran against the it was open seat for city council. But the individual I was running against was the former chair of the planning and zoning committee within the city had been there for 10 years well entrenched within the city government and politics um also a republican but he also again had the the dnc the, the democrats put out a flyer with all of their recommendations and stuck his face on it so we, again, we had, it's just a one party system. You've got the Republicans, you've got the Democrats. Um, the, they all, you know, they say, well, I'm a Republican or a Democrat, but they just want the same thing. And it's control of government, uh, pushing their policies. Uh, the Republicans say that, well, we're the party of freedom. Well, they're not. Uh, there was one guy that was on the city council that I actually fully respected or um, as far as who was fighting for some form of liberty and trying to fight back on uh, raising taxes and cutting excess spending. The, the rest just kind of bowed and gave in to whatever the mayor or whatever the city staff presented to them. I'm curious about your your experience, like when you started going to meetings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. In in my experience, once you kind of put the phone down and you and you start going to the the meetings and stuff like that, and you show your face, you start talking to people. Um, opportunities open up, you know, mm -hmm. and and things that you that you didn't see coming are there for you to to navigate and and kind of be effective with. Um, one, how big of a city are we talking here? Like, how many people are there? And two, have you had any of those kinds of experiences where, kind of just by showing up and putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. opportunities to, to actually do something presented themselves to you? Sure. So uh, City of Allen is uh, last census was 108,000 individuals. Um, in uh, in 2020 for the local elections, uh, the city secretary said that was the largest turnout she'd ever seen for um, candidates. So we there was three positions that were available and there was at least five people running in each position. Um, no right. easy races for you, dude. No, 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 none of them are easy. Uh, she said prior to that, at most, they may have two or three, maybe one person uh, running in any place. Um, we also had one of the largest turnouts is for voters. So I think that was 13, maybe 14% turnout. Um, most years it's under 10%. So a couple hundred votes is really all it need me. Was there like a, I'm, I'm just curious, I'm sorry to cut you off, but was there like a controversy? Like, what do you think accounted for that? Um, it's 2020, so we had COVID. Um, so we had, yeah, People so we mailed. had COVID. 
uh, well, so we had people that turned out uh, for mailers. Um, there was one uh, lady that was on city council. She was the only Democrat. Uh, she had just served her first term, was re running for re-election, and a lot of the Republicans did not want a Democrat in office there. Um, so they came out in full force, had a big slate of people uh, that they uh, were endorsing and recommending to run against her and to run in the other positions because the Democrats came out with their own candidates in each one of those. And they said, well, we don't want we don't want Democrats on the city council. So it was pretty heated. There was a lot of name calling. There was a lot of um, sour tactics that were just being had uh, across the board there. So Texas is a state where everything is partisan, right? Because there's some states where, or, or even towns where the local level races like this are nonpartisan, but it sounds like no, it's, it's all. No, it's still nonpartisan. <laughs> oh, people so, just know. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. No, so standing in front of the polls, I mean, even though it's a nonpartisan race, standing at the polls, uh, the first thing someone says when they walk up to you is, are you a Republican or Democrat? They don't care what your policies are. They don't care what, what your name is. They don't care if you are more fiscally responsible than a Republican or more socially liberal than a uh, Democrat. These are people that they show up to the polls because they're told to. They're vote red no matter who, vote blue no matter who, and that's all they care about. Hmm. Even though there's no party name, party affiliation next to the name when they walk in. But with that, with such a low turnout, I mean, you had said that like a few hundred votes can win it. Is that, did mm -hmm. I hear you right? Or mm -hmm. a few hundred votes makes the difference or is it? Uh, either, either way. I mean, so we had um, the last, this election this year, there was a total of 9,000 or 10,000 votes total between uh, each candidate. So, you know, you're looking at one candidate receiving 5,200, another candidate receiving 4,900. And that's all that it takes. <laughs> I know there was, we had a school board election uh, and one of the places there was four or five candidates that were running and it was less than a hundred votes that decided it. I see a comment that says, Lord, I hope hotness is not a driving force behind people voting. Got to tell you, if, if Lauren <laughs> Bobert, if Lauren Bobert was like in my district and there was like top donor gets a, a trip to the movies with Lauren Bobert, <laughs> uh, probably probably supporting uh lauren Bobert. <laughs> uh, so okay so then what was what was the the outcome of the, these races for you like how well did you do and what did you learn um so what i learned is that even in nonpartisan races there's still partisan politics being had um so the after my first attempt at running i really started reaching out to city staff city employees um, other groups that were not directly aligned with a specific party. So uh, one group may call them conservative. Um, another group may have a different name. Um, but getting to know these folks who are at the local level, that they, they may not sh ever show up to a libertarian meeting because they, they may say they're libertarian. They don't vote that way. Um, they they're not they don't attend libertarian meetings they attend uh republican meetings or they would attend democrat meetings um but getting to know people in these different parties you can find champions or you can find individuals that realize and, rec and recognize that at the local level the 
the party affiliation you can almost ignore, um, especially when you have two, maybe three people running. There's no party affiliation next to the name. So it's really, can you get the message out? Can you reach those specific groups? And you don't have to worry about someone ticking a box because it says R, or because it says D next to the name. Do you, do you have any examples of this in your experience? I mean, you don't have to name names, but, um, mm -hmm. but like uh, of this sort of thing happening, cause it's something that I've been saying for a long time is that we as libertarians, because we're the underdog, because we're the third party, because we're so far behind mm -hmm. that it's incumbent upon us to be the ones to walk into the Republican meeting or to walk mm -hmm. into the Democrat meeting and, and be that catalyst, you know, yeah. and kind of get, get people to uh, work with us to fill in the cracks that the establishment of their party are not paying attention to. Yeah. Now there's, there's a lo local conservative group um, in Allen that their whole, initially their whole idea was to get conservatives elected into school board and city council. Um, and then also help out with the counting races. And after my after the first run, I got involved with them. I met a lot of them. A lot of them ended up liking and supporting me, even though they weren't libertarians. They block walked for me. They passed my name out. They handed out flyers for me. Um, I got invited to a few of their events as well. Um, and I think that was a great avenue outside of just focusing on the party. If you're just focusing on, we're only going to recruit people and look for help at libertarian meetings. Well, libertarian meetings are small. Uh, <laughs> you get a handful of people. And when you're talking about a county meeting, especially in Texas, the counties are big, that people are spread out. And so it's 15, 20 minutes just to get out of my town. Um, and we're talking about people that may be 45 minutes to an hour away in some cases and trying to get them to come out and block walk or hand out stuff, uh, that, that gets hard. So finding those groups that are local, um, you know, there's a couple Patriot groups that are reached out to as well. Some two A groups, um, I tried reaching out to some of the uh, local realtors as well to say, look, you know. I'm your candidate if this is what you want. You want fiscal responsibility, you want property rights, you want 2A. These are the things that the city is responsible for. All this social stuff, all these social liberties, that comes with just more freedom. So uh, not really the responsibility of the city to mandate who can do what or who can't do what, leave that up to the private businesses and the private individuals. And let's focus on the budget because the city's gonna have city and school board are gonna have the highest taxes in Texas. Yeah, stuff like this is why I really there's there's a strain of people in the LP who are hyper partisan for the LP. I mm -hmm. call them party justice warriors, and <laughs> um, and uh, I really think that's ugly and does not help us at all from the position mm -hmm. like the weak position that we are in compared mm -hmm. to the Republicans and Democrats. Cause like these opportunities are out there. Like you just described, like you cross the aisle and then they helped you door knock, mm -hmm. you know, forest mommy, who's in the, the chat right now, um, you know, running for city council in Colorado. I think she just got the Republican party to support her. And she like doubled her door knocking and phone banking mm -hmm. efforts overnight with one thing like right. that. Um, you know, these opportunities are out there and, um, yes, obviously we're ideologically partisan. We are, we are libertarians, um, but when we're politically partisan, I really think it, it 
shuts off conversations that we need to be having. Um, and I don't think it's a very attractive pitch to people. You know, it's basically like, hey, you, you know, you have all your your in group in the GOP or whatever. Um, I need you to leave that behind. Join us. Um, you're not allowed to vote for Republicans anymore. Uh, there might mm -hmm. not even be a libertarian on the ballot for you. So what? Oh, well, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you're a bad person if you if you vote <laughs> for anybody. You know, what I mean, it's just crazy. Right. Um, and, and these kinds of conversations, I think, break that down and develop, you know, what I've been talking about for a long time is trust. You know, I, I think we we focus so much on the principles, so much on the ideas that we kind of forget sometimes about what makes people tick. And, you know, if logic and reason was enough to get people in mass to swing our way, we'd have won already. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we would have won already. But it seems to me that there's other things that people act the other premises that people act out before logic and reason like do they trust you do they like right. you and if we can infiltrate on that level then we can swing them right yeah no exactly that's 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 the idea so what was the uh the best turnout like that you had for your races and then and then we can go into some of the the lp texas stuff Sure. So the best turnout was probably this last one. Um, it was, uh, I got 26%, uh, almost 27% of the vote. Um, and again, that's, this isn't a race where you had Republicans and Democrats both pushing for my opponent, um, who also works for the Fed. So <laughs> uh, there, there's some issues there that we probably shouldn't go into uh, too deeply, but they elected a Fed. <laughs> wow! And then twenty, so twenty-seven percent of the race was that a was that a head-to-head? -head? Was that a? It was just a, it was just a two-way race, yeah, just the two gotcha. of us. Okay, yeah, not bad, not bad. Something yeah. to build off for sure. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you're running for for chair of the LP Texas, and mm -hmm. um, you know why does why does the Libertarian Party of Texas need you? Uh, you know what what problems are you there to solve? I can tell you one thing that I found funny is. Um, I went to lptexas.org, um, <laughs> and the first thing that smacks me in the face is a belly dancing chick in a hilariously low res photo. Um, and you guys are promoting an event, freedom folly, sex work, rights, and respect advocacy, advocacy through the art of burlesque. So looks like LP Texas is putting on a burlesque show. Um, not knocking it, just a little weird having just going from antiwar.com and uh, all the, <laughs> all the Hamas butchery uh, and, and, and uh, IDF butchery. Um, and then go over that and think like, yeah, that's what animates me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what's, what's going on in the LP Texas and uh, you know, what, what problems need solving? Uh, so I think um, a lot of what's going on right now that I'm looking to solve is the current direction, um, the current vision for the party. Um, you know, talking about running for local office, running for city council, running for school board, that's where libertarians have the best chance of winning. That's where they can get in front of the mo the highest percentage of voters who are going to be able to vote for them. You know, if you're running for state offices, if you're running for even county offices, um, getting out in front of as many voters as possible is extremely hard. And especially as a libertarian, when we just typically don't have that much support, uh, even with our in our own party, um, of getting people out as volunteers to help. So, uh, 
shifting the party's focus and assisting local candidates, assisting counties. You know, Texas has 254 counties in the state. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of counties. It's more than twice any other state. Um, and because Texas feels, you know, Texas is built on local leadership, local counties, you know, controlling everything. Um, the problem with that is we have 254 counties in the state and not every county has the technology, has the experience, um, the, the knowledge to stand up a website, to create events, to create meetups. Um, some of them get affiliated. I've talked to several now that uh, they went through the affiliation process and they got the handbook that says, congratulations, you're affiliated. And that was the last they heard from the state. Um, they don't know what to do with the site. They don't know what to do uh, to get more recruitment, to reach out to these local organizations, these local groups to um, coalition with them at this, the local level. So creating an infrastructure within the state party to empower those local candidates to provide the support for those counties to say, hey, you're a brand new county. You don't know how to create a website. We can make one for you. Let's let's get you a county website up and running. Hand hand you the keys once it's done, so you can manage it yourself. We'll train you on it. We'll host it for you. We'll, you know, we'll we'll take care of it for you to give you the tools that you need to be successful. Um, more training sessions for counties for candidates. Uh, cross you know cross county campaign management. Get some actual training sessions for some campaign managers as well to help candidates out with. Here's how you run a successful campaign. What type of campaign do you want to run? Um, and then just go all in on giving that support to the local groups. Uh, so, so that's that's the primary focus that I want to go in on. Um, yeah, I would I would recommend um, if you haven't talk to um to Hannah, the chair of Colorado, because mm -hmm. they are going hard in the paint on on institutionalizing project decentralized revolution essentially. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of sounds like more or less where you're going is, is mm -hmm. cause I, I totally agree. And, and I don't understand um, the culture of the party that has persisted to this point of, of running in unwinnable races almost exclusively, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and uh, when I, when I was writing the, the white paper document for uh, the project decentralized revolution strategy, I used the party's election data for from 2022 to make a point that I, I'm still pretty shocked by. It's a, it's a data point that I really want to like pound home is that the vast majority of libertarians that seek office run for positions higher than the local level. Mm -hmm. um, and then as such, you get I think it was two or three victories at the county level um, out of that in 2022. Um, mm -hmm. But then once you isolate for the number of candidates who run for local, all of a sudden the win percentage shoots up to like 33% or some insane number that nobody mm -hmm. would have ever guessed, you know, like, and mm -hmm. that is, that is in an environment where that's probably the, the, the floor of how effective we could be when you consider that there isn't a culture of training, there isn't a culture of utilizing software, there isn't a culture of door knocking and, mm -hmm. and running effective campaigns. So if, if the worst we can do is, is, 33%. Uh, what happens when the vast majority of libertarians are running for local and we have a culture of all of these things? So I hope I hope you're plugged in with the whole voter gravity thing that just got um, 
on yeah, I, out by national. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't signed up for it yet, but I did see it was there. I was actually arguing with some people on on X about uh, they were claiming the the RNC would have access to all of our data. I'm like, you do not understand how these platforms work at yeah. all, do you? It's like, no, it's all siloed. This would be our data. No one else has access to it. Um, all you're doing is just causing more issues for national and whatnot. Um, you know, I think it's an excellent tool. Um, the This last year, the year before, I made my own little a free third-party app that I could try and use for block walking, and it was a nightmare. Um, so having something like Voter Gravity that can handle that, that can get candidates tied in with lists so they can distribute those lists to other people who are block walking for them to show you the routes. I went on um, a couple uh, couple walks with some of the GOP that were trying to push some of the uh, don't vote for these bonds type things and a couple precincts. And they had those tools. You know, they have, it wasn't voter gravity, it was another tool. And using one of those, it was so simple. You could see what everybody else in your team was doing. There was no guesswork. I'm like, I wish we had this but it usually, it costs money and it's not usually cheap. So having national with that voter gravity assistance, that that's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've been wanting to see for a long time. Um, because again, now that, now that uh, the Reno reset is over, the whole thing for me at least has changed into, you know, and I said this the whole time, you know, we took over the party and then, do what with it? It wasn't mm-hmm. just to own the bad guys. I know it was for some people, but, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm not going to lie and say I took no satisfaction from that, but it was, it was to roll this out and institutionalize this strategy. And I, and I think the voter gravity thing is a big, big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, if we can make that a norm within the party, I think that win percentage can, can go up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, what is the what is the LP Texas party look like now? Like, what are their focuses uh, and, and you know, what what needs change, essentially? Um, if, if you were to look at the party right now and try and pinpoint what the party's actual focus is, I, I don't see one. Um, I know in our legislative uh, legislative years, when uh, this uh, House and Senate get back into session, they're always trying to kick us off the ballot. Um, they are, they're trying to implement new laws, uh, and regulations to turn the LP Texas into a primary party. They're trying to increase, uh, make it more difficult for our candidates to get on the ballot. So we're spending a lot of time and effort at that level, just fighting those battles, uh, which prevents us from, you know, focusing on local elections, focusing on things that really matter. Got a question in the chat here. Sorry, Facebook user, you must be in the stream that's in the Facebook group and the permissions make it so that I can't tell who the hell you are. Um, does the Texas LP have any relationship or experience with the Texas nationalist movement? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I know there's a Texas event. Uh, I think it's November 14th. It's the same weekend we have the... Um, our next select meeting. So we do have some folks that I believe are interested in going down there and maybe getting a booth or something uh, to take a look at that. Um, 
we we had a Texas Nationalist Movement come out to um, one of our select meetings. I believe that was the one we had in Abilene uh, earlier this year. Uh, and they gave a little speech and just a presentation on it. Um, I mean, we've got we're libertarians, so we're it's trying to herd cats here. So we're we're split on do we do this? Do we not do this? Let, maybe we need to sit down and talk about it. Uh, and that kind of that kind of goes into one of my other uh, one of my other key points is focusing on coalitions, uh, single item issues. Uh, right now, we have this atmosphere where somebody sees uh, a, a, the name of an organization or the name of a movement or who they're associated with, and they say, "Well, I don't want to work with them um, because their platform is X." Okay, well. Maybe they're really big in a Texit. Maybe they're really big in a school choice. We don't have to go full in and so fully support everything they talk about. But if we can work together and get something on the general ballot, maybe we should. Yeah, so I was that's what I was going to say is my assumption is that the leadership of the current Libertarian Party of Texas would see a group like that, like the, the Texas separatist movement and kind of you know, wince and say, oh, no, that's that's too much. You know, some people really get squeamish on uh, like secession and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, is that is that are you are you that hardcore? Is that a group that you would like to work with? Um, I don't know if I would want to work with that specific group or if if we do work with them, then, OK, let's make sure that there's a very fine line between, uh, you know, what we're working on. Um, if, if the goal is to get Texit on the ballot, then that should be the goal. Um, all of the nuance that goes around it, leave that up to the individual parties to discuss and to present. But, you know, even LP Texas, we have it in our platform that we support that. So I, I don't see why we can't. Jacob Bradley would like to know, why are you pretending that you are high class with that piano in the background? Uh, that's because Jacob Bradley is jealous. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> but yeah, man, no, I, I think because um, my, if I remember correctly, I think that Texas separatist movement is something like a Christian, are they like a Christian nationalist kind of thing? Um, but again, this is, this is, assuming that's the case, um, this is where the issue stuff really comes into play and is important. Mm -hmm. You don't have to endorse being a Christian nationalist group in mm -hmm. order to say this should be on the ballot. And we support mm -hmm. secession as a party because uh, it's, it's the, the right of self-determination is paramount. Um, and, and for, for smaller groups to create political units on their own, um, you know, this is a very Misesian idea and mm -hmm. uh, we shouldn't back down from it. And am I, am I right in saying that this is something that the, the LP of Texas currently would be like, Ugh. yeah. Um, as far as the current leadership, I would say it may be split. I mean, there are certain individuals within the party that are like, no, we, we, we can't secede. Um, we, we, we shouldn't be having these discussions. Um, and then you've got others that are like, well, it's in the platform. Uh, you know, this is what we support as libertarians, uh, freedom of association. Um, so getting it on the ballot is a start. And that will then let the Texas government know, do enough people actually support this? Awesome. All right. Well, I know you've got um, another meeting coming up that you got to prepare for. So uh, how can people support you and where can people follow you? 
Uh, so my website's nathanforliberty.com. Um, if you can shoot me $5, $10, $20, whatever, um, I plan on making the rounds through Texas, trying to get it to as many counties and many groups as I can. Uh, Texas is a big state and that requires a lot of driving. Uh, so some gas money would be highly appreciated. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, Nate the Ancap, um, and just see what all is going on. Awesome. Thank you, man. Really appreciate your time. And uh, when is that convention? And is there any deadlines for people to sign up for the, the state libertarian party or anything like that? Sure. So in the state of Texas, we have three convention dates. Um, unlike some other states, uh, the first one, the, the first two are going to be in March. I want to say February, March. I think it's March. Um, the second Tuesday. So it's going to be March 12th and then March 16th of next year. So the 12th will be the precinct convention. If you want to participate in anything else, you must attend that. You cannot vote in the primaries beforehand. Uh, you cannot sign any petitions to get stuff on the ballots for the primaries because that will affiliate you with the, the Republicans or the Democrats in the state of Texas. And then that Saturday, uh, you can then attend the county convention meeting um, and at the county convention, you can try to become a delegate to go to the state convention, which will be in April. Uh, it'll be April uh, 12th through the 14th in Corpus Christi next year. Um, and at that point, we'll be uh, nominating and selecting any candidates for state offices as well as new party leadership. So if you want to come out and support me, make sure you attend your precinct, attend your county, become a delegate uh, and get to the state convention next year. Yeah, I want to drive home what you said about, excuse me, about um, do not vote in the primary if you want to get involved mm -hmm. in the uh, Libertarian Party of Texas. And really, there's not, in my opinion, there's not too much of a reason for you to. I mean, RFK is no longer in the primary for a Democrat. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, RFK is now a war hawk on Mexico and Israel. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even think they, I don't think that the Republican Party establishment's instinct on, on foreign policy has actually changed. I think the base moved away on Ukraine and they kind of followed with that. But then the mm -hmm. second something happens, we're hawks again, you yep. know? So, um, you know, what are you really getting there? So, you know, don't vote in the primary, uh, join the Libertarian Party of Texas. And uh, that convoluted system of three different things is not the, the Texas party's fault. That is actually state law bullshit. So, yeah. um, so unfortunate, but you know, it's the real ones that make it through that trial. So if you want to support Nathan, uh, make sure you you sign up with the party and, and get out there. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man. What a... All right. Well, really appreciate you guys joining us tonight. And then I'm going to reiterate uh, to go to wreaktheregime.com uh, to support Michael Rechtenwald. We are in the middle of recruiting state campaign coordinators for the campaign. So if you want to uh, help us whip delegates, if you want to help us set up events or uh, help us get media attention in your state, please go to wreaktheregime.com and uh, send us an email. And uh, if you want to you know, support Project Decentralized Revolution, then go to takehumanaction.com, sign up for the Mises Caucus there. Uh, we have just spent, uh, I think about $10,000 or something like that on, on local level candidates around the country. We have volunteers phone banking for local level candidates around the country coming up next month in November. If you want to join that, join the phone banking effort, <clears throat> then please go to takehumanaction.com and sign up and let us know. And we will be reaching out. 
So thank you guys again. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Jason Bassler from the Free Thought Project.